So we're continuing our Drawing Near series on prayer tonight with a reading from 1 Samuel. And Hannah is the main character in these verses. We uh, find out at the beginning of the chapter, in a few verses we aren't going to read, that Hannah was in a very difficult place. Uh, She was married, but she couldn't have any children. And in the Old Testament context, that brought a lot of grief and shame upon her. Her husband had a second wife. We aren't quite sure why, but it certainly had something to do with Hannah not having children. This other wife had a number of children, and she continually provoked and irritated Hannah. And so we come to 1 Samuel verse, chapter 1, verses 9 to 18. This is God's true word for us tonight. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. And as 1 Samuel continues, the Lord does give Hannah a son, and she names him Samuel. Samuel, which sounds an awful, light, awful lot like the Hebrew for God heard. And then after a time, Hannah does dedicate Samuel to the Lord's service. He ends up growing up in the temple The uh, part from chapter 2 that we read for tonight at the beginning of our service is Hannah also giving thanks and praising the Lord for what he's done for her. So we're going to explore this story in two ways this evening. We're going to have two levels of focus. On the more zoomed-in level, we're going to focus on this story on its own. And on its own, this story is about Hannah going to God and pleading and begging in prayer And God hears her prayer and grants her request, and Hannah responds with thanksgiving and praise. So we'll talk about this pattern of human petition, divine response, and then human thanksgiving and praise. That's the zoomed-in level. But then we'll also zoom out, and we'll look at the bigger picture. We'll look at the story of how God is working out his big plan for all of humanity and how this particular story that we saw fits in with that bigger story. And that zoomed out view will help us to understand why we keep praying and trusting God even when he doesn't actually give us the things that we petition him for. So first tonight on the zoomed in story, we'll talk about how God's people can bring their petitions to him. So in this story, Hannah brings her deepest and most desperate request to the Lord. In bitterness of soul and misery, the text says, Hannah goes and weeps before God. 
She asks and she begs and she bargains and she pleads with the Lord to hear and respond. And Hannah is so intense in this prayer that it looks like she's drunk or crazy or something. At least that's how it looks to Eli the priest. So Eli comes over and he tells her to give up the drink. And the subtext there is probably Eli saying, take off. Get out of here. Get off the sauce. Get your life together. Now, there's a deep irony in the text at that point. Eli is supposed to be the priest, the leader of God's people, and he's so spiritually out of tune, he can't even recognize when someone is praying. But Hannah, this apparently rejected woman, this woman who has all kinds of trouble in her life, she's the one who knows to go and bring her petitions to the Lord. And that's a pattern for our lives, too, and for our petitions. This text encourages us to go to the Lord and to pray, to pray desperately, emotionally, passionately. Hannah gives us an example of going to heaven and beating on the door and pleading and begging with God to give us what we want. When we're anguished and we're grieved, we're invited to go to the Lord and to ask Him to give us what we want so desperately. I think often we're kind of hesitant to do that. A lot of us are maybe a little more reserved people, maybe a little private. We don't like to put our struggles out there for other people. And sometimes that means we don't really like to put our struggles out there in front of the Lord. We know he knows them, but it can be hard for us to really desperately go before God and really bring him our petitions. But Hannah shows us a pattern for our prayers. When we have deep needs, when we have real struggles, the right prayer isn't polite, lukewarm, casual. The right prayer is heartfelt and deep and even desperate sometimes. So when God's people are in a tough spot, we bring our petitions to him. And second for tonight, God responds to his people's prayers. God responds to his people's prayers. And in 1 Samuel, the Lord responds to Hannah's petition with great grace. There's a couple ways in this text we see God respond to Hannah's prayer. First, Hannah tells Eli she's not drunk, she's just praying. And Eli, who probably felt embarrassed and certainly should have felt embarrassed, blesses Hannah. And he says to her, may the Lord give you what you have asked for. And then Hannah goes out, and in verse 18, the last verse that we read for tonight, it says that Hannah's no longer downcast. She goes out from the Lord's presence and from her prayer immediately reassured. She hasn't gotten an answer yet, but she feels assured, and so she goes out and she celebrates with her family. She's come in despondent and hopeless. She brings the Lord her petition, and she receives reassurance, and she goes out rejoicing. And then sometime after that, God gives her a son. Hannah receives everything she asked for and more. And there are times when that holds true in our lives too. With uh, Heino Blau, as Greg shared earlier, it seemed like there was this hard time. This time when the family was praying and praying and other people were joining and praying. And the Lord answered. The Lord for Hannah brought Samuel The Lord, for others of us, brings jobs, healing, all kinds of things. Sometimes the Lord gives us exactly what we pray for. And so in response, when God gives us what we pray for, 
we should respond to him with thanksgiving and praise. We respond with praise and thanksgiving. I worked in a hospital kitchen in my college summers, and we had shifts, you know, you're supposed to be there from 6 to 2 or 10 to 6 or whatever. And there was one day that this particular guy had a family thing come up unexpectedly, and he just really, really, really wanted to be there, but it was tomorrow. And he didn't have any time off, and so he was going around begging everyone else there that day, will you please cover these hours for me? Will you please cover these hours? Will you please? I'll do anything for you. Will you please cover these hours for me? And everyone said no. And finally, I said, fine, I'm working anyway. I'll have to do two jobs. I don't think I can be two places at once, but I'll try. I'll cover the hours. Leave when you need to leave. And the guy was like, oh, thank you so much. I'll do anything. And he was so grateful for about a day. And then a couple days after that, I asked him for something. And he was like, what? No, forget about it. All right. Sometimes when our prayers are answered, we don't respond with a whole lot of praise and thanksgiving. We just move on to the next thing. But when Hannah's heartfelt petition is answered, she responds by giving thanks and praising God. She names her son Samuel, which means basically God heard. So every time that someone called the name of her son, it was a reminder that God had heard and answered her prayer. And then as Samuel grows up, eventually Hannah did dedicate him to service in the temple. She basically gave up her son to God after God gave her what she had asked for. And then in chapter 2, as we read earlier, Hannah brings this great song of victory and praise to the Lord out of gratitude for what he has done. And that pattern is a great pattern for us to follow today too. When we go to the Lord with our petitions and he answers Let's go back to him with thanksgiving and praise. It's just a natural sequence. Petition, response, praise and thanksgiving. But perhaps this is a part of our prayers that we could all work on. It's easy for us to be focused on the next petition, the next thing to ask for, the next thing coming at us. But maybe it'd be good for us to pause sometimes and to think not just what's coming next, but what has the Lord already done for us? Sometime this week, if you're able, try to spend a whole focused prayer time just on giving thanks and praising God. If you're at all able, just spend some time praising the Lord for what he's done in your life, for the prayers he's answered, for all the things that he has done for us as his people and for you in particular. The more we give thanks, the more our eyes are opened to what God is doing. The more we express our gratitude to God, the more gratefully we're able to live. So there's the zoomed-in aspect of this story. There's this pattern of petition, response, thanksgiving. Petition, response, thanksgiving. But now let's zoom out a bit. Let's look at a bigger picture here. And let's start with what feels to me at least like an obvious question if we talk about this pattern of petition, response, thanksgiving. What about the times when God doesn't answer our prayers how we would like him to? What about when God doesn't answer our petitions? I hate to surprise you on this, but the truth is that you won't always get what you pray for. Surprise. No one's surprised, right? God doesn't always work like that. There is a trajectory that we often see that we bring, Lord, we bring the Lord our requests. He answers affirmatively and we give thanks but that's not 
always the trajectory that we experience. Now, as we talk about this tonight, I want to tread carefully because we are in deeply, deeply difficult territory. This was a hard text for me to work with this week because, as many of you know, earlier this year, we spent a lot of time praying for our daughter, Eliza. She was in the hospital. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and her health declined and declined and declined, and finally she passed away. And a lot of us have those kinds of situations in our lives where we go to the Lord with what seem like natural, obvious petitions, and God doesn't answer how we would expect. We could talk about a number of hard situations here. The one the text most naturally leads us to is infertility. And the hard, real truth is that infertility does not always end in childbearing. Hannah got her baby in this story. Many others of God's people have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and never gotten that gift. And so we keep walking these hard, hard roads. And Hannah's story sometimes is no kind of encouragement when we've prayed and God hasn't responded. Some of these stories in the Bible, when God does respond like this, can feel like a mockery, actually. Other people get blessings. Other people get what they ask for. Why don't we? What do we do with that reality? Now, that's a big question, and I only have one small answer to it tonight. I think there's a lot of ways that we could talk about it, all kinds of levels that we could answer it on. So don't hear the rest of this sermon tonight as the answer. It's not that. But it is a answer. Sometimes when we zoom out, if we look at the whole big picture of God's story working with his people, that helps us to understand even when God doesn't answer our specific petitions. So even when God doesn't answer the specific thing that we ask for, God is always working out his bigger, deeper plan. Always. Always. Have you ever paused partway through reading a good book or watching a good movie and just put yourself in the place of the main character or your favorite character? If you haven't done that before, enter the mind experiment with me for a minute. So if you stop in the middle of the story and you think about how things look to that character, generally if it's a good book with a bit of suspense, the character is probably going to be a little bit confused in the middle of the story. There's all kinds of things going on that don't yet make sense. It may seem like there's just unexplained, undeserved trouble, like there's no coherency to anything, like it's all just a mess for the character in the story. But if you read the whole story, you watch the whole movie, and you think about what the author is doing, you step back and you look at the big picture, and the whole story suddenly can make a lot of sense. Even if that bit in the middle is confusing and even horrible sometimes, the author, the director, can still be telling a beautiful, powerful story. The whole arc of the story can point to tremendous, wonderful endings. There can be a coherent theme that pulls all the loose pieces together into something wonderful. This drives Laura kind of crazy, but sometimes I read books backwards. I start with the last chapter, I read that, then I read the next to last chapter, and so on. And I like to do that because it lets me, I know some of you are shaking your heads and you're thinking, that would be awful. 
But what it lets me do is see how the story fits together. Now, you can argue with whether that's a good way to read books or not, and you might be right. But I think when we think of God's big story, that's a helpful way to look at it, to look at different stories in the Bible, to look at our own lives even, that we don't see them standing by themselves, but we see them as part of this big story, and we know the ending to the big story. So on this zoomed out view, let's think about how God is working in this story of Hannah here. This beginning of 1 Samuel takes place between the time of judges and the time of kings in Israel. And the book starts with this woman, Hannah. We've looked at the level of Hannah's personal struggle and blessing. But if we step back, this is a horrible time for God's people. In the cycle of the judges, things have gotten worse and worse and worse and worse to the point that God's people are fighting each other and almost wiping out some different parts of the people of Israel. Things are bad. They are terrible. Not just for Hannah, but for all of God's people. And here's this poor woman who doesn't have any children, and she gets so desperate that she vows that she'll give Samuel to the Lord. And then she has a son, and she gives Samuel into the service of the temple And God uses this child to change the course of the whole nation. Samuel is the one who moves with God's help, moves God's people from the chaos of judges to the order, to the wonder of King David's reign. And he was able to do this in part because he grew up in the temple. He grew up learning how things were supposed to be. He grew up at the center of God's activity in the nation of Israel And he also grew up seeing how terrible and corrupt Eli and his family and all of the Israelite leadership was. Samuel was put in a very particular position that enabled him to transform the fate of the whole nation of Israel. So in that small picture, God works graciously with Hannah, but in the big picture, he works graciously for all of God's people and even for us who stand in the line of God's people today. And as it was in Hannah's story, in this big picture, it's the child. It's the Savior. It's the special one who God puts in just the right position to save his people. In this big story, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about how God prepared the way for a coming king, about how God is at work to make things right for all of us. So we look to Christ. Now, this story in 1 Samuel isn't in the Bible to tell us that all of our prayer requests get answered the way we want. We all know that doesn't happen. But I think this story here is to show us that God is always, always working for the salvation of his people. Even when we can't understand right now, even when things are difficult and dark, God is always, 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 always working out a plan for our good. Whatever our circumstances are, we can be sure that God is at work. So let's take that back around now to our prayers and think about how this makes a difference for how we pray. When we sort of zoomed in and we looked at Hannah's story, we, were, we saw how we should bring our request to God, pour out our hearts before him, ask God for what we want, and expect that sometimes he'll answer prayers how we like. But even when we don't get what we ask for, we can be assured that God is at work, 
Again and again in the Bible, again and again in our lives, we see God answering prayers. And we see this big story that God provides the Savior that we need. So when we don't get what we ask for, we can be reassured to keep going to the Lord and keep praying. And not just walk away because we didn't get the answer we wanted. And what's more, this text, when we look at it in the zoomed out level, can invite us to pray not just for our own needs, not just for the things right in front of us, but to pray for God's great plan. We can pray for God's kingdom to come around the world, for God to make all things right. And we can pray for God to give us eyes to see what he's up to, even when we're in the darkness and the depths of worry. It's good for us to zoom out to focus on the broad scope, to trust in the reality that God is at work even when things are dark. Even when things seem impossible for us, God is at work. So we've seen this story play out on two levels tonight. On the zoomed-in level, God answers the prayers of this woman in deep distress. She prays, God responds, she gives thanks. And that's a good pattern for our prayers. But on the broader level, we've also seen how God is at work in ways that we don't necessarily expect or see. And so even if we don't get the particular thing that we pray for, we can be assured that God is working all things together for the good. God responds to our prayers. God is working all things out. So then very briefly as we wrap up, three thoughts on how to pray. First, let's pray earnestly, deeply, desperately about what's on our hearts. Let's bring our deepest petitions to God. And second, when God answers our prayers, let's go to him with true thanksgiving and with awestruck praise because God does work on our behalf. And third, even when things don't go how we want, Even when we are deeply shaken, let's keep going to the Lord in prayer and let's be assured that he is at work in the world and even in our lives. God has always been faithful to his people. He will always be faithful to us.